Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production, where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. Hi, I'm Orlando Eastwood, director of On the Road, The Search for Bigfoot, and you're listening to Aaron's Horror Show. You are listening to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. We get to read fiction on the show and talk about some movies, books, you name it. If you like what I do here, please consider supporting the show at patreon.com forward slash Aaron Frail. You'll get some books and other cool stuff for your support. Go ahead and also reach out to me at Aaron's Horror Show at gmail.com, Aaron Horror Show on Twitter, or Aaron's Horror Show on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. All right, we got another Westworld for you. I know previously on Aaron's Horror Show, I talked about Westworld Season 1, and now I'm here to talk about Westworld Season uh, 2 and 3, <laughs> respectively. I know I was going to try and do one season at a time, but dang, it's so good. I just had to watch it all. Uh, so, yeah, you, if you don't want to be spoiled, go ahead and watch it, then come back. All right, you're back. So, uh, yeah, I left you off thinking that Westworld is this, you know, series about a theme park about, you know, robots that uh, go astray. Uh and, and by the way, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this in the last series, it is based on a movie from the 70s with uh, Ewell Brenner uh, <laughs> about Westworld, a, a theme park with robots, and the robots go, go awry. So I think the first season is probably literally lifted from that 1970s, but man, it goes off the rails in a really good way. <laughs> so it, it takes you out of the park in season three, uh, so, you know... Uh, season one is kind of about the the theme park itself. It explores a lot of the themes of, you know, uh, AI and and you know if you're uh, basically torturing sentient robots, is that right? You know what I mean? Is uh, you know because that is you know like if we had robots and humans could just do whatever they wanted to them with no consequences would that be a right thing to do me personally i would say no personally i believe you know uh sentience is sentience it doesn't matter if it's robot or human i i think you know anything that's sentient has certain rights <laughs> you know what i mean that is uh my thought on it you know uh so i'm 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 definitely of the camp uh you know <laughs> Can't we all just get along? Uh, <laughs> but this, you know, season two goes very quickly into 
the, no, we can't just all get along and the robots are going to kill all humans, or at least that's what you think, right? So the Dolores, uh, who's sort of the the girl next door character in the first season, becomes the robot super kill all humans in the second season. So she kind of goes off the rails, murders people in the park, and the second season sort of turns the park into this like dystopian world where the robots have gone amok, right? So the human characters are, are kind of in hiding, uh, you know, they're running around for the robots and, and Dolores keeps talking about her master plan for the robots. Uh, and later you learn that Dolores was taken out of the park, you know, cause you, you get the sense that the theme park is on, uh, uh, an Island somewhere, uh, and Dolores was taken out of the park to be shown off to investors and stuff like that. Uh, and so she's actually seen the human world with, like, cities and cars and all that kind of stuff. And and when they finally do get off the island, you realize that it's not our world, uh, like, here in 2021. It's, it's near future world, right? So near future world where, essentially, there's this big AI that has, uh, you know, uh, essentially guided humanity. So somebody created an AI that, uh, basically tracks everybody on the planet and then decides essentially what they're going to be good for. You know, the, the idea is kind of like a, a prison where you could never be anything more than the AI decides of what you will be. So, for example, uh, in season three, uh, Jesse from Breaking Bad, uh, Aaron Paul, he comes on the cast and, and, and so Jesse from Breaking Bad, uh, you know, keeps trying to get different jobs other than construction jobs and no one will ever give him a job because the AI decided that he doesn't, you know, deserve any better jobs, right? So it's kind of this weird, like, you're stuck where you are in life because the AI decided, and so if the AI decides you're going to be rich and famous, you'll be rich and famous. If the AI decides you're going to be a construction worker all your life, then you'll be construction. So it kind of sort of makes this society that's oppressed by the machine, right? No one can, no one can live up to their potential because this machine is always bringing them down, man. Uh, and so what's really interesting, I thought about season three was all crime in this future world was done through an app. <laughs> like literally you'd log into the app, you scroll through jobs, you pick a job, you do the crime, then you get money. Later on, you find out that it's all part of the big conspiracy. Uh, you know, like the, 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 uh, you know, the, the crime is how you, you know, make sure deviants are, are found out because there are people that the machine can't categorize correctly. So those people either get retrained or exterminated, you know what I mean? And, and, and uh, that, you know, you, you find them through this app uh, <laughs> that does crime with an app. And, and I just thought it was interesting, that idea of doing crime with an app really stuck with me as something that is kind of possible. <laughs> like, you know, my my big thing with Westworld is that the the very premise of it wasn't as possible uh as it seemed. So, uh for example, you know, the the big the big flaw that I always thought with it was the idea that they would make a bunch of uh intelligent robots uh 
you know, for people to basically do holodeck games with, right? <laughs> uh, and this is where, uh, you know, I, I think in reality, we're probably going to see a holodeck before we see a really expensive human-like robot. You know what I mean? Like, we'll see a, a holodeck simulation of a human before you get an actual uh, robot human, you know? And then as soon as somebody, you know, <laughs> is able to figure out how to, you know, in Star Trek, they always explain the reason you could touch the holograms and they can touch you is that it's like adaptive force fields that are simulating the touch sensation, right? So even though they're just holograms, they uh, have like a little force field on them that makes uh, <laughs> you, you're able to touch them, right? And I don't know, that seems more plausible to me uh, as something that could happen just because it's a lot cheaper, right? <laughs> like if you can figure out how to make a hologram and then you can figure out how to make people have the ability to touch that hologram, well, then you have a holodeck, right? <laughs> like literally you can make a, a sword fighting program where you actually feel your swords cling together. You know what I mean? And that, you know, it seems cheaper doing that than it seems to make a full on lifelike robot. You know what I mean? So like if you really think about, you know, having a full-on lifelike robot with, you know, fake skin and and really, you know, expensive processing power and, and you know, all the hardware you need to make a, a, a human-looking robot, like, that's really expensive. And then to really to put a park, a whole theme park of it, really, really expensive. And, you know, I get that... Uh, Westworld in the the very premise of it is a playground for the ultra wealthy, right? Like the only people that ever get to go are like the richest of the rich, right? Like this is not a place where you take your kids to Disneyland because the only people that could afford it are super rich people. So I know they, they kind of explain away that point. But I think even in that scenario, like, I don't know, you don't, you know, my, my uh, analogous scenario would be space, right? Like space is really freaking expensive <laughs> to get to, right? Not cheap, right? <laughs> and that's just space, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like we know how to get there. We know how to survive there. Uh, we know all this stuff about space, yet it still doesn't change the cost that you have to basically <laughs> strap a rocket to yourself and blast yourself uh, up into space to get there, right? And so, you know, if you go back to a robot theme park, like, yeah, I guess we know, would know or have figured out how to do all this stuff with robots. But then if you think about it, the cost of one of these robots is probably like astronomical. So the idea that the guests can just go shoot, you know, and murder and do whatever they want to these robots, uh, like that's a pretty expensive piece of hardware that you're just, you know, giving your guest a gun and go have at it. You know what I mean? Whereas like a hologram. Like, I could see that being cheaper, right? Because then everything's simulated, right? So you just simulate the blood, you simulate the <laughs> gunfire, you know what I mean? Like, like I don't know. For me, I, I can see simulated a simulated world much sooner than I could foresee a uh, an actual real world with simulations in it, you know? Uh, that's just my thought. But anyways, go with it, because it's a really good series, right? <laughs> uh, very good series. Uh, and anyways, the idea is the reason why they're running these simulations in the theme park is to get data about people 
to once again feed that data to this big AI that's making decisions for all of humanity. And then uh, this is where they do something very interesting with the character of Dolores. So in the first season, she's a good guy. In the second season, she becomes a bad guy, right? And is like, kill all humans. And then in the third season, she kind of becomes a good guy for then, and you're rooting for her to succeed again. Because, <laughs> like, like, it's really interesting what they do with Dolores' character, the fact that she becomes a bad guy, <laughs> like a good guy, then a bad guy, then a good guy again. And so, really, this is one of the very few series that really effectively blurs the line between good and evil. Like, like I, I, I feel like... Like, even in Game of Thrones, I mean, like, I haven't seen much of it, I'll be honest. I've seen, I think, through two seasons, but you definitely get the sense that there are good people and bad people in Game of Thrones, you know what I mean? Like, like you got good guys and bad guys, right? Uh, you know? Uh, but in in Westworld, man, they're, like, so... The lines are so blurred. Like, like Dolores, I don't even know if she's a good guy or a bad guy, like, by the end of the third season. Like, it changed from you rooting for her to succeed and then wanting for her to fail and then rooting for her to succeed again you know what i mean like like that's pretty good storytelling i think with uh her character right so i feel that dolores is you know went back to being an interesting character like like mave uh the other robot character in it uh who's going kind of on her own journey uh that's different from dolores's uh like like Dolores is a story of like either she's trying to kill all humanity or liberate it like that's what you get the sense of by the end of the third season like either she's here to save everybody or she's here to kill everybody and you still don't know the answer to that question uh, uh, by the end of the third season which I think is really good you're kind of leaning on liberation by then, but uh, who knows, really? Like, <laughs> like she could have something else that she's cooking up in there. And then Maeve, uh, her story is kind of the one of independence, right? She starts off as sort of a slave to humanity, and then she gets independent from them, and then her story keeps pushing her towards independence, right? Like, like eventually being able to just go out and live her life, man. <laughs> uh, but... You know, what's funny, when Dolores became a bad guy, Maeve, you know, Maeve was kind of my favorite character in the first season. She was kind of my favorite character in the second season. Well, definitely because, you know, I could root for Maeve. I couldn't really root for Dolores, right? Like, when they become a bad guy, you're, you're not wanting to, them to succeed anymore, right? Uh, <laughs> but then, you know, still rooting for Maeve in the third season, but really they made Dolores just as interesting as Maeve, right? So at that point, I was actually like, oh my god, they're both really <laughs> well done. It just, Dolores was a little bit of a slow burn, right? Like Maeve, you kind of like her instantly. Uh, <laughs> whereas uh, Dolores, you're not sure if you like her or not, but then you like realize like, oh my god, she's actually like a pretty cool character. She's just, you know, it took a lot longer to get there than, than Maeve did. Uh, and so I really enjoyed that. And it's also interesting, like, the way this Westworld changes so dramatically from season to season. I mean, literally, the first season is all about the park and it establishes what it is. And then the second season is all about the downfall of the park and kind of the post-apocalypse uh, version of that world. And then the third season takes place all in the real world. Like, like there's very few scenes that happen at the park anymore. Uh, 
it's all like like what kind of world does this park exist in and each season is incredibly different in how it takes you through the journey like like uh you know the first season is uh all about the robots becoming aware and sort of exploring the flaws with a, a a system that the park created and then the second season is all about like a dystopian sort of post-apocalyptic narrative of survival and and going through essentially the wasteland to survive and then season three suddenly turns it into like a cloak and dagger series where there's all this like covert stuff happening and secret missions and you know like <laughs> like suddenly you're in now a, a cloak and dagger you know so like yeah you're you're in a you know a things falling apart and then a post apocalypse and then cloak and dagger suddenly all within three seasons and all within the sort of spirit of the show so i kind of appreciate that so it makes me really excited for season 4 so i can't wait to see what happens with uh westworld uh from what i've read online season 4 is going to be the last season it says that it was coming out soon, but I haven't seen any more information. I'm assuming it's something that got, you know, uh, uh, hindered by the uh, COVID, you know. So I imagine COVID kind of stopped it in its tracks. But uh, yeah, if you haven't seen Westworld uh, yet, it's it's definitely worth the price of admission. Uh, you know, when it comes to HBO, HBO, like for me... This year, totally worth it. They have a bunch of movies that I want to see. Uh, like I said, they got Doctor Who, Westworld, Game of Thrones, all stuff I'm planning to watch. So for me, the price is worth it. But, you know, when I always think about getting this a streaming service, there has to be enough on there, right? Because, you know, when I think about it, HBO costs me, you know, $180 a year, right? That's $15 a month times 12, 180 So, uh, you know, if I'm really gonna pay for hbo for an entire year i want to make sure that in that year there's enough stuff for me to watch because you know if it was just about watching westworld like that's only three seasons so far i could go buy those seasons on amazon for what thirty dollars a season so you know <laughs> ninety dollars to buy three seasons of westworld that's cheaper than a year of HBO, and I get to keep it. You know what I mean? Like, like that's mine now, right? I get to watch that Westworld whenever I want, right? I don't have to pay the subscription fee for it. So, you know, that's what I think about when it comes to these streaming platforms. Like, if they have enough content that, you know, my year is going <laughs> to give me enough to watch within that year that it's going to be more expensive to buy them all individually, then I'll pay for the subscription. But if they're not providing you know, if it's like one or two shows I'm going to watch, well, I'll just go buy them on Amazon, right? Rather just buy the shows outright. Like, you know, my wife have, have and I have always kind of planned for that in our television watching because there's always, you know, those streaming services that have one or two things you, you want to watch, but nothing else. Like, eh, is that the case? Maybe I'll sign up for a month and watch it, or maybe I'll uh, buy it on Amazon. Depends on how much I like it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, for me, we don't really go through television as quickly as we used to. So for me, it's always a little better to, to you know, buy it rather than pay a monthly fee for something that will take us three months to, you know what I mean? Then you're paying more than the $30 you, you know, you paid for the season or something like that. So yeah, that's, that's my thought on that kind of stuff. Anyways, uh, yeah, well, you know, if you, uh, 
are, you know, having to get worried about the rise of the machines, well, just start being friendly to them right now, right? Alexa's listening, <laughs> right? You want to be a good, on, a, on a good side on that one, right? So <laughs> be nice to machines now so you can survive the robot apocalypse later. That's my advice. All right. <laughs> Have a good night. Mm-hmm.